Psalm 103, Psalm 103 says this, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within, within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all of your iniquities and who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the wings of the eagles. Come on, isn't that good? Let me read it one more time. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Come on, soak this in for a second. Because he's the God who forgives all my iniquities, all my sins, all my failures. He's the God who heals all of my diseases. He's the God that strengthens me when I'm weak, that when I need him to come down upon me and touch me, he's the God who heals me. He's the God who redeems my life from destruction, that we are all sinners in need of a savior and in need of grace. But he is the God that reached out of heaven with his grasp and rescued me from destruction. He's the God that rescued me from the destruction of my own life and my own actions and my own decisions and my own mistakes. Come on. He's the God that redeemed me from destruction. And he's the God that crowns me with his loving kindness. And his tender mercies that when I'm down and when I'm hurting and when I'm broken, he comes with the power of the Holy Spirit and he wraps his arms around me and he comforts me and he loves me and he gives me mercy and he takes care of me and he satisfies my mouth with good things. Even in bad times, he satisfies me with good things. He takes care of me so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, open up every ear. Open up every heart, open up every mind to receive of your word, to change us and challenge us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Hey, I'd encourage you to take notes tonight if you are. Um, I would title this message, A Heart of Gratitude. A Heart of Gratitude. There's a thing um, called negativity bias. And negativity bias is this. It's a natural draw towards Negativity. It's really defined as this. The negative bias is a cognitive bias that refers to the tendency for people to pay more attention to and give more weight to negative information or stimuli than positive information or stimuli. In other words, negativity impacts us more than positivity. You're going to have to have more positivity in your life than you are negativity. Listen to this. If you say something out loud, this was a, a research that was done at Georgetown and Harvard. All right. I'm not just making this stuff up. This is some real people that know what they're talking about. If you say something out loud, it is 10 times more powerful than if you think it according to the research that they did. I believe you. Right. So the things that are 10 times more powerful that if you'll, if you'll say it than if you were to think it. So there's a lot of things that we internalize. There's a lot of things that we will process internally. But as we begin to give words to those thoughts, what happens is that these researchers said that it's 10 times more powerful. Then they said this negativity is four to seven times more powerful than positivity. 
So that what they did is they extrapolated it out and they said this, meaning that when you say it out loud, it is 40 to 70 times more powerful than positivity. And I wonder how many times we walk around being negative in our life, right? You know, when the storm hits, when the trial hits, because we're all going to hit it, we're all going to go through it. But our, our tendency seems to be as people, our tendency seems to be in our human nature to go towards the negativity. Rather than filling our thoughts with positivity, rather than filling our spirit with positive things. What will we do? We'll go to the negative. Watch what they said about this. This is interesting. Watching three minutes of news increases your probability by 27% to say you had a bad day. So let me just save you the heartache and the hassle. Don't cut on the news when you go home, all right? It's not good. It's going to be negative. It doesn't matter what news station you cut on. They're not reporting the news. They're, they're both bashing each side. Nobody's giving you facts. They're going to spin it and slant it towards whatever side of the aisle that they're on. And you're going to walk away from there going, is this the end of the world? Are we are, like, are we going to? I mean, sometimes like, honestly, don't you shut the news off and you're like, we're going to die tomorrow. I don't, an alien spaceship is coming. Something is happening. Like it is, the world is over, right? And, and that's the way you feel sometimes. And it's interesting to me that just watching the news for three minutes increases your probability by 27% to say that you had a bad day. The news is always negative, except for that last story that they do at the end about the puppy that got adopted, right? That's every, we have to remember all that God did for us. It's, it's the small thing. And, and, when I, and when I look at Psalm 103, it's one of the reminders that we have to go back to as Christians. And when we're having a bad day, we just need to open up Psalm 103 and just go, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. And you may even be like, I don't even feel like blessing the Lord today. I don't feel like praying today. I don't feel like singing a song today. I, I know you got this awesome worship team up here and they are going, I just don't feel like it today. Sometimes we need a worship team that will get up here and encourage us just to dig a little deeper. Sometimes we need somebody building our faith to say, you know what, all my life, God, you've been faithful. You've gotten me to this point. Has it always been easy? No, it hasn't. But it's, you've always been faithful. I'm still here. I'm still above ground. I'm still breathing. I still have my health. I still have my whatever it is. Go down the list. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is with it within me. Bless his holy name who... who and I can't forget all of his benefits. He forgives my iniquities, heals my disease, redeems my life from destruction, crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercy, satisfies my mouth with good things, and then my strength is renewed. And then I walk away feeling a lot better than if I just cut on the news and just got down with the news. <laughs> or sat around, sat around an Eeyore and just, y'all know who Eeyore is, right? And just let them, womp, womp, you know? I don't want to be around that person. I want to be around people that are going to get with me in Psalm 103 and encourage me like we do here at Restoration Church. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. First Thessalonians 5.16 said it this way. Rejoice always. Come on, somebody say always. always. In fact, say it together. Say rejoice always. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And in everything, give thanks. Not some things. In everything, give thanks. I got fired today. Thank you, Jesus. You're like... What? Really? No. Yeah. Did it say in every, did it say in some things? What did it say? In everything. 
and everything give thanks. So you know what? When you have the worst day, what are you going to do? You're going to rejoice always. You're going to pray without ceasing and in everything give thanks. Why? Because this is the will of God for your life. Man, when we will just come under God with a heart of gratitude and say, God, I don't know why I'm walking through what I'm walking through, but with my heart in the right position, because I know that this is your will for my life. I'm going to walk with thanksgiving. I'm going to walk in prayer. I'm going to walk with rejoicing and I will give thanks. Come on, somebody say amen. Come on, I want us to walk out of here with a heart of gratitude. And everything we go through, we have to give praise. Let's go to Luke. Luke chapter 17. Jesus is going to be on the screen. Jesus is, is going through Samaria, or he says now he's gone to Jerusalem. So now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then he entered a certain village, and there he met ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices, and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest, because this was the custom. If they were healed, they'd have to go present themselves to the priest to show, hey, listen, I've been cleaned. Now I can come back into society. So this was the law, the custom. And so it, and so it was as they went, they were cleansed. He said, I want you to go show yourself that you're cleaned. And as they took that step of faith and action, they were healed. Now watch this. So... When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself. All right, I've read that. Verse 15, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at the feet of Jesus, giving him thanks. But the Bible says something interesting, and, and the Bible doesn't make any mistakes or, or leave things in there on accident. But the Bible says this about him, that he was a Samaritan. And so if you go and you study this, theologians will tell you that the, the main bulk and group of these people were Jews. And the fact that the Bible points out that he was a Samaritan was highlighting that here is Samaritan. So if you understand that Jewish people are the children of God, born into God's family, the Samaritans are half children of God, half Assyrian. They're kind of got this mixed religion, this mixed faith. They're not all in, but the, the people that are God's people been in God's house forever, grew up reading the Torah, grew up reading the Bible, memorizing scripture, going to temple, all of the things, all of those nine, not a single one of them came back to thank God, but the one who just came in contact with Jesus came running back, fell at his feet and said, thank you for healing me. This is what happens. We can be in church so long. We can get in a rut and in a routine of just waking up. I'm a Christian. Uh, this is who I am. It's what I do. Blah, 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 blah. And then something happens and we don't return and we don't thank God. We get in this just rut and routine and God does something for us. And at this point, we've almost kind of developed like a, an entitlement, if you will. And we're like, well, God should do that for me because I've served him for so long. Well, God, did you see that I, I, did, I was on the setup and teardown team last night? You, do you know how hot it was when I had to load the stuff in and out of that trailer, Lord? You should bless me. You know, I mean, we get this kind of in, entitled spirit. I had to be, Lord, I had to be there at three o'clock today. Do you know that? 
I had to be there two hours. God, you, you should bless me, right? And so we can get this entitlement when we serve God so long that we get to a place that we're entitled and we don't return to thank God. When he blesses you, I don't care how small, how big, what do we do? We return to God to thank him. We return to God to say, you know what? You're so good in moments like this. This is why I love worship, because it's my time. It's my moment to just go, God, all my life you've been faithful. Lord, I may not be able to make sense and connect all the dots and do all the things about the struggles and this and that. But what I do know is I'm here today and you're faithful. I've got kids that love you. I've got kids that serve you. I've got kids that are on fire for you. So you know what, God? All my life, you've been faithful, and you're going to continue to be faithful. Because this is what I've learned, is that entitlement kills gratitude. Entitlement, the entitlement mentality is defined as a sense of deservingness or being owed a favor when little or nothing has been done to deserve special treatment. Can I read that again? My goodness. The entitlement mentality is defined as a sense of deserve. God, I deserve this. Did you see what I did this last week? There was that homeless man and I gave him $10. Lord, you should bless me. I mean, it's this sense of deserving that you've seen how good I've been, Lord. Can I tell you that even in our goodness, the Bible says that it's filthy rags. The only way I made righteousness or, or, or made righteous is by confessing him as Lord and Savior. So I'm not deserving of anything. I'm not being owed a favor, as this entitlement mentality says, or, or especially when I've done little or nothing to deserve. Man, when I am at my worst, guess what? God is good. When I am not faithful, guess what? God is faithful. When I turn my back on him and I walk away from him, guess what? He's standing right in the same place, waiting to meet me with arms wide open going, Craig, I love you. I know I messed up. I know I blew it. God, thank you for being right there where you left me. You're right there in the place. But entitlement kills gratitude. But the flip side of that. The good news is that gratitude kills entitlement. I'm going to ask that the band come back. I told you I was going to keep it short. Gratitude kills entitlement. I want to read this story for you from Matthew chapter 14. It says this, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And the disciples kind of turned around. They're like, we only have these five loaves of bread and two fishes. Bring them here. And he directed them to sit down on the grass, take the five loaves and the two fishes. Looking up to heaven, what does it say? Giving thanks. He broke the loaves. And then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. What was the difference between the disciples and Jesus giving thanks? It was a perspective. The disciples looked at this five loaves and two fishes and said, we don't have enough. Jesus looked at it and said, I have everything I need. And like, how many times do we do that in our life? We look at ourselves and we go, I'm not enough. And God looks at you and goes, you're everything that I need. 
And we're going, there's no way I could change the world. There's no way I could impact the world. There's no way, God, that you could use me if you know the thoughts that are in my head, if you know the motives of my heart. There's, there's no way that you could use me, choose me, and we look at everything that we don't have. And Jesus simply looks at you and says, hey, just be thankful. Because the difference in an entitlement and a gratitude is just a posture of your heart and going, God, I just give you thanks. I know I'm not enough, but I give thanks. God, I know I can't do this without you. God, I know that I don't have the strength without you. So, Lord, I will give you praise. God, I will recognize that you were good. And so I want us tonight, I want us to leave with with a heart of gratitude. Because the difference in the disciples and Jesus was this. The disciples looked at what they didn't have while Jesus saw what he had and he, what, he just He just gave thanks. Jesus didn't ignore that it was little. He just knew what he could do with the little. We have to always remember what God can do with what's in our hands. It's not our job to determine what he can or can't do. It's our job to simply live in a place of gratitude. A spirit of gratitude will shift our perspective.